0: what's going on guys welcome to another episode of the uh, claypool show super excited to have a special guest on today who's he's very humble so he won't tell you this but he's insanely successful um you know one thing i appreciate about him is not only is he insanely successful on the financial side and real estate but he's successful in his family too and his kids and so we're going to get into this Talk about it, Jeremy. Introduce yourself,
1: man. Uh, Jeremy Engel. Uh, been doing loans for eighteen years, and that made me feel a little bit old just now. Perfect. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I would say more. Ask away. You know, I'm, so, I'm better at answering questions than telling yeah. people about myself. <laughs> so, how
0: did you get into uh, the loan industry, man? Oh, like, how did? Yeah, how did um, even happen?
1: My. uh I was getting my real estate license while I was in college cause I knew I wanted to do something with real estate. But at the time it was, I want to be a realtor. That's all I really knew. And a buddy of mine kept hitting me up about, Oh, you should do loans. You should do loans. And I'm like, nah, I don't want to do that. And, uh, eventually I gave it a try and, um, did a loan for a buddy and gave him a good deal and made a pretty good chunk of money and was like, This isn't that bad you know so um that kind of stuck and just from from then on you know history
0: okay so you started um just kind of like we all start right you get into it did you have a set like how did that happen did you have a sales manager at first that said like hey these are like how did you go from being an initial lo to who you are today You know, as Jeremy Engel, we don't have to go into the whole thing right now, but we can kind of like slowly build up to that. Yeah,
1: I think um, I just, I I didn't really. I had, uh, when I first got in the business, it was, you know, 2005 and six. So it was cranking for most people, but I was the new guy. I wasn't Jeremy Engel like I am today or whatever. So I would try to get, um, I would do the worst loans, the mobile home, whatever it was like, yeah, I would give it a try and, Um, you know, eventually it started picking up and I think the difference between me and you and you as well, and most of our colleagues is we don't take our foot off the gas pedal. And a lot of times people would, um, you know, do five loans, make a good chunk of money and then chill out or go on vacation where, I mean, I was going on vacation, but I always joke around with people. I say, I work from cool places. Right. <laughs> I don't ever really take time off. Um, but I think that's what kind of took me. I And then um, my wife stopped working when my son had open heart surgery when he was really young. Um, he's totally fine now, so that's all good. But when she stopped working, there was something in my mind that said, I have to like produce, you know, 10 X or whatever to support the whole family. I mean, obviously I've done pretty well with that, but even today, I mean, today it's harder to keep my foot on the gas. Like it was, but if I'm not going to do it a hundred percent, like I'm going to stop completely.
2: You know? So you mentioned, or uh, Ernesto here, I wanted to (laughs) say hello. Um, so, um, you mentioned that you started in, in oh six, um, yeah. Not fast forwarding too quickly, but like obviously at that time, 08 was right around the corner. Yeah. So, I mean, how did that? I mean, how did that impact your business and how obviously you overcame? And I I know I started in in 14 and I know that there was some things around that time, like the cross approvals and stuff like that, where, where, where Jeremy Angle was like everywhere. I know. And, and, but how did, I mean, that's obviously fast forwarding, you know, six years from then. uh, But in 08, how did you approach that, that 08 crash or whatever you want to call it? Because that was a difficult time where a lot of people did shut down. You know, obviously that would have taken the foot on the gas pedal, Pretty, pretty hard.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, the good news is, is I wasn't really making much money in 2005 and six, so I didn't really have anything to lose. Um, I'd say during that time, um, in, in 05 and 06, or I would say 06, 07, I was out hitting realtor offices back when people used to work in the office. So I would go around and give uh, my card, sorry, stupid phone. Um, give my card out to all these, um, different agents. And I, I started putting candy bars with my card. I didn't have mm-hmm. a lot of money. So like I could buy a box of candy bars for 40 bucks mm-hmm. and, and meet a bunch of people going to offices They were always there. Um, so when Dude, the, cru- the, 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 I just <laughs> want to say it's still so people don't do that
0: anymore. And I feel like if they are in the office. That's huge, dude. It, That's like, it's a very boots on the too. ground, huh? Like, yeah, Harry. dude, freaking a candy bar with your business card. How cheap is that? And how effective is
1: it? It's super you know? cheap. And, and I would like joke around. I'm like, you guys are busy. You're hungry. <laughs> you know, remember me when you need a loan, just cheesy, you know, but ask for the business. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot easier there because there was offices with a hundred agents in them and they were, it was full. Like, it was legit. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, you go into these giant offices and there's four people there. One's, like, back office worker and receptionist. So it's definitely times have changed. But So I would just strike conversations with people and they'd get to know me and, um, you know, I would ask for the business.
0: So that's, that was your marketing side. Yeah. So at the very beginning you would say that that was like your number one thing that helped you grow was meeting with people doing those in-person walk-ins and things of that Uh, nature. A hundred
1: percent. Were you ever like a
0: phone call guy? Did you, I know some, people. no,
1: no. I mean, if I had deals in contract, but back then I didn't have much, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'd always be hitting up the other agent and stuff. I'm starting to get better about that now. Uh, Mm -hmm. for a while I, I didn't have time. Like I was got really busy and and um, couldn't do that kind of stuff. But today I'd say phone calls are are good. But the other thing is, is I was always trying to figure out something that everyone else wasn't doing mm-hmm. because. And that's you know, um, back to two thousand six, I was out doing that because I didn't have business. Everyone else was just answering their phones, slaughtering it, right. So then when all that stopped, basically what happened is I was the guy that was in front of everyone. And a lot of these people were like, well, I guess it's over and and got out of the business. So, you know, half the loan officers or even more just became obsolete. And I was the guy in their face all the time.
0: That's the opportunity right now. I feel like (laughs) kind of, maybe not to that extent. It's
1: different, but but yes.
0: I, you know, I think all the connections we're making and all the seeds we're planting, I hope. That, you know, I'll like,
2: exceed what I was doing in 21 by a long shot, you know, hopefully. And but, I, I think the funny thing is, is that it something as simple as that is so difficult for a lot of people. A hundred percent. Like you think it's like, it's easier said than done. But I remember I had a guy come in, he was an insurance agent that came into our office one time. And I was like, you know what? And not a lot of people are willing to do that and come and ask for the business, you know, and the ones that do, I'm like, respect, you know, like I, you know, and I started working with them because of that, Mm -hmm. you know, so that, 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 that's pretty, you know, awesome that you said that because I remember going into offices in
1: the beginning and it was freaking scary. I mean, you'd see the same names on all the signs and you got a chance to talk to these people and, you know, and the number one guys, gals, whoever, uh, they're getting hit up by everyone, especially right now. And I think the calls is tough. Like I hear a lot of my agents, um, tell me like, Oh my God, all these lenders won't stop calling me, you know? So trying to be different, you know? Um, but I I think that's a good thing to do. I think it's, if if you stay consistent with it, but that's what I would always do. I would always come in. I, w- I was like the Candy Man. Like I think I've heard that name back in the day.
0: Dude, I would. I lo- actually a great idea is to get like a um, glass jar. Mm-hmm. This is. Just, it sounds so like stupid and cheesy, like you mentioned, right? But like just getting a glass jar, putting it in each office with your business card on it, and then coming and refilling that candy bucket. Great idea. Every couple. I, of weeks I did that with the like subdivisions
1: uh, years ago. I bought. Uh, so fast forward a few years now, I have new homes that I. And the preferred lender and I had the Vero Mortgage, uh, jar and I had suckers with dollar signs, uh, like printed on them. Yeah, that's funny. So,
2: yeah. and they said
1: VeroMortgage.com or com or something on them. I haven't done it for a while, but just it, little things like that, you know? But
2: I think that's interesting because going back to like the 08, kind of overcoming that and doing the, those things is because we we are in... Obviously, it's not the 08 completely different, but we're in a market where it has dwindled down a lot more than what we've seen, especially more recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting to know kind of like how you overcame and then just blew up after that. That's yeah. that's that's something that I think is pretty.
0: And as far as blowing up like the systems that you had to like created. So where did you learn that? Did you learn that from a, mm-hmm. just another mentor or just kind of like I just did trying it, it and.
2: Smart, yeah. No, I I mean, I wouldn't say,
1: in school, I was never smart. Like, I struggled, I I was bored, Mm -hmm. you know? I think once I found something that, like, I can do this, and I'm good at it, and, um, but I had to learn to do the, you know, textbook stuff in loans, like the, meeting the people and, and getting to know them and all that, that was easy for me, that just came naturally but learning how to put the loans together. I mean, learn the hard way on, on some stuff, mm-hmm. but I—I w- I would say like when you're, when I was growing, like you, you asked earlier, how did you overcome that? Uh, you know, the hardest time it was, um, it wasn't hard for me because I was still growing. Nice. Like the only time I've ever had to like, Cut back was 2022 and, and today, you know, yeah. Yeah. um, and the difference today versus then is there was homes to buy mm. yeah. and they were kind of affordable. You know, we were doing FHA loans with, um, I had this one program so as Nehemiah or something. So it was basically hundred percent financing FHA loan, great product. And there was a plethora of foreclosed homes to buy.
0: So do you think that this market is tougher than the 08
1: market? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes me
0: happy because I feel like, you know, we're excelling as much as we can in this market and growing and putting our...
1: If I was pre-qualifying as many people in 08 as I am today, I would be murdering it. Mm -hmm. No, same here. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm doing fine. But... It's well, like then, the amount of people that prequal that go to contract right now is like ten percent, which is the horrible ratio. But right. if there's no houses to buy, wh- what are you doing with these prequals other yeah. than paying fifty dollars? Yeah, and a and to put report. in
0: perspective, he says murdering it. Jeremy is murdering it. Um, his perspective of murdering it is, is a little skewed. Right? <laughs> yeah. His perspective is damn I only closed sixty loans this month. So uh yeah. you know.
1: Sixties uh, uh, murdering it. Sixty, yeah. It's <laughs> probably more like thirty
0: or forty right now, but yeah. it's well, personal. It's fine. Personal, personal. than your branch. Oh and, yeah, yeah. And branch. So, I mean, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So um branch I'd say one twenty would be good yeah, yeah that, that's where you were right was, probably yeah. more than that too sometimes i feel like we're talking about football days or something yeah. <laughs> like, oh, back in 82 you know i think
0: we'll, we'll be back there though man we'll be yeah. back there it's gonna take some time though it's not gonna happen overnight
1: there needs uh, to know, be some serious changes it, with you know um rates you I, know
0: i think we're gonna be looking like two years one to two years for it to get better You know, a little bit better than what we're at now. I'm laughing because I've been saying six to 18 months for the last three years. (laughs) We've all been saying (laughs) that. Damn it, Barry B. (laughs) And then five years for us to be, like, hopefully, you
1: know, skyrocket. We'll see, though. Things things will definitely change in that much time. Nobody
0: has a crystal ball, right? So go into a little bit about your system. Like, how are you structured? So you're taking the initial phone call with a client. You're having that conversation and then Allie's doing the pre-approval. No, I have,
1: uh, uh, Matt and Michelle, I have two prequalers, and depending on volume and what they're working on, they work it out amongst each other to decide who does it. Um, and then once it gets pre-approved, um, they send out the letter. If they have any questions, sometimes they'll come back to me depending on the relationship. Um, but most of the time they, they do a pretty good job up front and then when it goes into contract, it gets handed off, depending if they buy new construction, it will go down one channel. And if it's, um, um, I want to call purchase, it purchase resale resale. Yeah. I was going to say used homes. It doesn't sound as good, <laughs> you know, um, then they go down another
2: channel and those two people are contract to close. So how are you faring? Cause I know a lot of people want to know this, especially the loan officers, um, I, you do. You mentioned you do a lot of a lot of um, new builds, which is it's it's known here that you do that a, a lot of new builds. How are you faring? Like this constant increase in rates and having those people that are like approved from like let's say six months ago or even longer, and just watching it just do what it's doing and be able to still wake up in the morning. And- yeah, um, <laughs> I mean today it's not as bad
1: because the rates have been. I mean. Yes, very volatile, but they're only swinging maybe a percent. Mm-hmm. Where in early 2022, mid 2022, it was freaking brutal. Yeah, you because know?
0: every month it was just, oh, we're up another percent, up another. Now people are kind of. Used I knew rates to it. were
1: going to go up. I never thought that they would go up, you know, five percent in six months or whatever that number yeah. was. I, I thought we'd be, you know, four. Five, six, I thought we might touch seven, but then I thought we'd come back down. Um, But I thought that was gonna be like two year cycle, three year, and it wasn't that way. So yeah, that was brutal, man. I remember doing a lot of loans where I not only did them for free, if not paid to close them, because some of these people uh, had sold their homes, went into the new build, took six months. I qualified them in December. Now it's May, and their rate went from two, seven, five to five, seven, five. The builder also on some of those, uh, was pretty generous on, mm-hmm. on helping some of these because some of them didn't qualify anymore with that rate. So we did well, it's double yeah. buy downs I, and some other things. I want to
0: point out one thing too. You talk about that. I do that too. Sometimes we don't mm-hmm. like doing it right When well, we're not making anything on the deal. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes we're paying to do a deal. I love doing it. Yeah, it's just <laughs> sure.
1: it's my nonprofit. It's yeah. just amazing. I,
2: and you know, some well, some people don't understand. I always call it, it org. I need to probably yeah. buy that website. <laughs> it, it, it's funny because in our office we call them donuts. We'll be like, we made a donut. Oh, that's <laughs> because it's a, it's a donut. Sometimes I'm happy to make that on some deals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. as long as it closes. Yeah. yeah.
0: But the but the relationship
1: is worth is what more. you
0: is oh. what you build with that. I have a deal right now that's a little bit tough and I'm making some on it, but you know, we ended up having to give a large credit and just like it just turned into a kind of a shit show. But the agent's like, dude, I will not use anybody else. Yeah. Because you are fr- I can't believe how like it's been a shit show. It's been a tough deal, but he sees how far above and beyond I'm going. Um and he's like, I'm gonna work with you again. You oh, know? And I a
1: hundred percent am letting the agents know when oh, I'm <laughs> doing that. Same I mean, yeah. like, <laughs> like there are times where like the borrower, like I care a lot, you know? And then there's other times where maybe the borrower wasn't that cool. So I'm like, why am I going to lose money on this deal? So I will Mm -hmm. definitely let that agent know that I need, you know, something in the, in the future for this, because Mm -hmm. you're making your commission and I'm getting completely, I'm basically paying your commission, you know, to do it, to do the deal. That's very, I never thought of it that way.
0: Um, okay. So, moving from the mortgage side we can jump back and forth Mm uh one thing that you've been really good at is investing your money properly yeah right uh which is in this industry i think a lot of people spend their money a little too much right buying things they shouldn't yeah and so i mean you have you know a lot of rental properties that are paid off you know and i say that because it's a it's a statement it's not um just rental properties that you have which is a great thing too but you have the cash flow, like the true passive income, and you could retire today if you wanted to. You say you couldn't, but you could. Yeah, my lifestyle's has changed a little bit since, it, since then. Yeah. But, yeah. but so what kind of got you into the investing side of things? Who did you just learn that? Because I know you're a partner
1: with the Osbournes on a lot of things. Did that help you out in that journey? or You know, um, that definitely helped me grow in Fresno bigger mm-hmm. um, as a loan officer, um, in the beginning, uh, Mike actually was just flipping. He wasn't holding. And we used to have conversations about that. And I would tell him to hold. I would say like, um, my dad had a couple rental properties over the years, but sold them. And then my father-in-law has quite a few rentals. And he's probably the one that taught me the most about that. And then um, another guy my dad knew um, held some rental properties and it was just like everyone I knew that was really successful had some sort of rental properties. Um, the other thing I saw is so when, remember in 2005 and six, like I was mowing lawns on the weekends while, and my wife was helping me when we started and when I moved to the Valley. And, um, so we, we were just, I mean, we weren't struggling, you know, cause we didn't, we came from college. Like we were used to living a, a really minimal life. Um, but I, I remember watching friends that had the new Porsches, the M5 when it cost X amount more, lose everything. So my mm-hmm. wife and I, before we even bought the house that we'd lived in at the time, we had acquired, uh, quite a few rentals every time we'd make money and we didn't have kids. So, you know, <laughs> we're, every, we, we made a lot of money when you don't have kids, you know, even if we weren't making near the amount we do today. Um, so I, it, I bought one and then I, I just always looked at it, like say it rented for a thousand bucks. Like, and back then, like, obviously they all had loans on them and I, I would go, okay, in my retirement, this is going to be a thousand dollars. So every time I did it, I'm like, okay, I'm a thousand more, you know, and just kept, it just became kind of an addiction. I didn't, um, like and like I learned like what numbers <laughs> work. And then I used to try to buy them. If I could put them on a 10 year loan, if it penciled, I would do that. Mm. Um, obviously that's not <laughs> available today. No,
2: <laughs> if it was 15, I, I'd be
1: buying houses and not sitting here, <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, but, and I would was... assume
2: at that time, because you were picking up more and more properties, your mortgage business was growing pretty rapidly at that time. Would you say?
1: Yeah. And my wife was working too. Yeah so and she was uh in doing real estate and Mm -hmm. and doing pretty well um i would say you know nothing compared to like big agents today because it was different back then Mm -hmm. but uh yeah so we were both working used to living off nothing and we're living we would do fun stuff but Nothing crazy. Now you got to do the fun stuff. Huh? <laughs> kind of. I mean, it's all the kids today. You know, it's fun, but it's it's like a third, fourth job. You know,
0: when you're looking at these properties, mm-hmm. you know, I've learned this from you: is you're looking at something that's not completely dilapidated, right? Or are yeah. you do you ever do any properties or buy any properties that are completely
1: dilapidated? I bought a or- duplex last year, or was it this year? No, last year, and it was half burned down.
0: Okay, so that's so pretty dilapidated. That's pretty dilapidated. <laughs> yeah. um, but also, too, you have the resources and cash that you just you just buy this thing outright. You're like, I'm just gonna yeah. Do the so in that it.
1: case, like you had to. There's no way you're gonna get a loan on it. Um, right. That was kind of a pain in the ass, um, but it, it it worked out. I bought it for 150, and it took about 60,000 to get it back up to par. The only and and. Well, my handyman lives in one unit, so it's probably 2400 a month income if I were to have it at market rents.
0: Plus all the tax benefits of owning. 100%. Right? That's yeah. the bigger. The cost segregation. That's the bigger part is the tax benefits. Uh, so um, when you're looking at these properties, like if that, you're- That talk- was a home run. So yeah.
1: like it was, the, the problem was is that took- about a year to get everything. There was a lot of city stuff you had to do, mm. you know, so that kind of stuff can eat it, especially if you're borrowing the money. Mm-hmm. Like if I was starting back in the day, there's no way I could do that.
0: Right. You know, unless you get private money and you want to take that risk on, but if it's 12 months out and you have private money for 12 and you months, never like, you never know what my blitter is. just Isn't lost
1: 12%. It? Yeah. So, um,
0: that's a good point. You just lost 12% right away. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Or that property just cost you 12% more. Um, right so i would say if you're gonna borrow hard money borrow it where you can move it fast if you have to now in that case like if i would had to move it fast i would have been stuck you know mm-hmm. because there was red tag from the city and all that kind of stuff and probably could have done it faster but i have cash flow and i have a mortgage company I'm trying to run as well, you know? So,
0: and you're buying, again, you're buying these properties cash, so you don't have a private loan on it. So it's like,
1: and at the time, I mean, now you can get quite a bit more money in the bank, but I was getting less than 1% or something. So it was either my money sitting there making nothing or here making nothing, you know, that makes sense. So, um, but yeah, you're right. I try to look for stuff that, you know, just needs a little fixing up, you know, in the beginning I, one of the first houses, probably like the third house I bought, I went through and my wife and I, like we were young, you know, we're sanding down the floors, fixing it all up, <laughs> put new windows huh. in it, and the tenants thrashed it. You uh. know, and I, from then on, I was like, you know what? Paint, carpet, done, you know. Yeah. Now Nowadays, I'll go through and uh, put countertops in and do a few things that, I mean, granite countertops, yeah, they look nice, but also, they're freaking bulletproof, you know? Mm-hmm. I'll uh, put LVT throughout the whole house. Um,
0: LVT for people that don't know.
1: the Oh, uh, it's like this... I don't know what LV... Laminate something. Laminate. It's, okay. it's basically uh, like a... It looks like real wood, but it's, it's made from like plastic composite, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. bulletproof. So... Um, you basically want to not have to replace things every time someone moves out so the longevity like if a house needs paint and it's like starting to peel i know that if i paint that house i'm gonna to have to paint it again in three or four years because it's just going to start peeling behind it i rip it all off restucco the house for seven grand now i didn't spend two thousand twenty five hundred paying it and have to do it again you know and
0: see that's the mindset that people don't have like you're thinking two, three, four years I'm down the road, 30 years down. The road. Right. Yeah, yeah. 30 years down the road. Some people are like, Oh, if I have to pay this now, yeah. more now is, you know, not what I want to do. So well, I mentioned, no, that's a testament right there. I, man, I mentioned how, to you, so my, my
1: AC guy will throw a used AC on one of my houses if I need. Well, to me, I'm like, Oh yeah, it's a way better deal short term, but now I'm going to be replacing it again in five years. Or if mm-hmm. I put a brand new one on it, it could last me 20, 30 years mm-hmm. and just, kick the can further down the road you know so,
0: so what would you recommend to somebody like uh, me or even Ernesto getting into this game you know I bu- I have two rentals I have one well I have more than rentals than that but I'm have 200 contract that I'm working with right now yeah the one that you helped me just buy yeah and then there's another one that I'm in contract with that one's going to be a lot cleaner and there's a third one that popped up and I'm like I I could do it but I'm like do I I'm realizing after this one came back with an eighteen thousand dollar pool repair that I'm not going to do. I'm just going to bury the pool and some yeah. other stuff. I'm like, okay, so you know, I probably need to slow down a little bit, just pump the brakes, a- and just see what happens yeah. with these two. Make sure
1: there's fluid in those brakes. Yeah,
0: exactly. You know? Get these two dialed in, and then move on. So, at what point do I start scaling to buy five, six, ten a year? You know, I guess just when I get more. more, I-, and more I would say when and- the
1: opportunity arises. Um, don't be in a big rush to be Donald Trump the next day, mm-hmm. you know, um, there's pluses and minuses. I could be 10 X what I am today if I would have taken more risks, but I sleep good at night knowing that if I stop working tomorrow, all my bills are paid.
2: Mm-hmm. And what would you say right now? Like he mentioned, just to kind of add on to the question that he had is, um, if you're looking to get into that, and because and I, I know you mentioned early on you were kind of doing the most, right? And then you're just like, well, that wasn't worth it and kind of taught yeah. you kind of one of those things that you kind of learn as you go. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, obviously, we're in, we're in a little bit of a, of a difficult market. I know I've been talking to Corbin a lot right now. He's picking up properties, um, especially in this market. Yeah. Um, what would you say for other people that are wanting to – because people do call us and they'll say, hey, I want to start buying investment properties. But right now is not the time because of, of – of, the rates and, and the current market, what would you say to those people um, as, uh, to do so?
1: You mean to like talk people into buying investment properties today is, or just like, what? yeah, exactly. Like, is that something that, I mean, I have would, people come through my office a lot and a lot of people come to me because they want to get pre-approved for a investment property. Exactly. Those, yeah. But see when you're buying, in investment property retail today, mm. unless you have some big tax consequences that you need to offset, it doesn't really make financial sense unless you're buying wholesale junk that you can fix up for some sort of upside.
0: That's what I was gonna say. I was gonna yeah, say you're better right. off almost giving them the advice of like how to buy almost an off market property or directing them to like yeah. the wholesale side. I mean obviously that's Or probably, if they're working with an
1: agent yeah. like tell your agent what they need to buy right and yeah. they talk to their office and you know they'll find something right. but if they're trying to come buy some four hundred thousand dollar house to hopefully make a hundred dollars a month it's not going to pan out yeah, yeah. i yeah. mean you could yeah. bank on rates being lower which i am but also i always try to put people in situations in case it doesn't
2: yeah you know okay yeah, yeah. Any- no, that was just that was my point. Yeah, was just, yeah. Yeah. yeah, just because we do get that, right? We get the people, you know, and and <clears> I show them <throat> the numbers. I mean, numbers don't lie. Yeah, you know? and that's what
0: I, I take them to Rentometer.com, and I'll be like, look, here's what you can. Cause some of them are brand new in investing, and they know nothing. Yeah, and they're so trying they're, to buy
1: brand new houses. And the,
0: exactly, and they're trying to rely on you for that information. So I'll show them, be like, here's my, here's your mortgage payment. Here's what you're gonna probably get in rent. If you're okay taking a $700 loss every month, go for it. But I wouldn't do it.
1: Yeah, unless you know? they're buying a $500,000 house and they need to offset $150,000 in tax. Right, that, that would be helpful.
0: Right, because you could do a
1: you cost know? segregation. And those 100%. properties will eventually cash flow. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's what's more dead no, push me back more into, I mean, long-term, I bought houses in 2005, like the worst time you could ever buy. Mm-hmm. And in 2008, I looked really bad on paper. Did I like it? No but I just kept making the payments. And then in 2010, they came out with some program where my 6.5% interest rate on the 30 year fix now became three and a quarter on a 15. And I refied all of those and well, guess what? They're all paid off now, you know? So yeah, 2005 was a great time to buy long-term. And so is As today. you're looking at that
2: way. Yeah. No, I was just thinking about like <clears throat> if you looked at it from like the tax piece of it, or if you are able to like break even, or even if you're underwater just a tad bit, but someone else is making the payment for you and kind of putting together like that 401k, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. in the long run, it's it's um, not a bad idea if you if you're a high income earner yeah. and
1: you need the tax benefit. But if you're if the person can't make the payment for three months and you're yeah. going to be in a tough time, don't become an investor on a okay. negative. Cash flow because ACs go out or mm-hmm. things happen, mm-hmm. or you get a crackhead in your house and it costs you. I told you I had a $15,000 judgment on a guy from COVID and oh. he worked and made money. But these kind of people will work the system. And guess what? They don't got to pay for it <laughs> they don't uh, they don't care all the tenants have all the rights, which is good because there are bad people out there but then the good guys get completely screwed over yeah. you know mm-hmm. so if like dude I buy houses with negative cash flow but I have a lot of other cash flow to offset it yeah you know so it has to make sense I, as a first time investor I would not recommend
2: that and kind of
0: what i'm getting to is that's interesting don't try to you know for me right i'm like the crack kid always (laughs) wanting to like more properties or whatever it is i just get super tunnel vision focused so i gotta be able to kind of step back um and for all new investors for all people out there i think it's just taking the time to make the right like make the right deal happen yeah finding the right deals and uh you know not rushing it and that's what I'm learning from you.
2: But I yeah. think there's benefit in that. Like just being able to pull the trigger. Because a lot of people like to sit on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Don't pull the trigger. They wait and then it's too late or it's just a different time. It's a lot more difficult. So there is benefits that. You
1: got to be cons- quick to yeah. react yeah. for sure. Um, but but you jumping at the first shiny thing might lead you down the wrong
0: path right but and then maybe
1: but do your research and do it fast
0: it's a strategy
1: right
2: I mean, yeah
0: like yeah. now i'm kind of getting to the point where i have a few different private lenders that i can pull money from to buy these properties so i have the resources to do it and the deal's come, I'm like okay i could potentially get two or three more into contract and i'm like is this a good idea though you know having five properties going at one time you know it probably is down the road right when i get to that point but i don't think right now i think just because i'm getting into it i need to learn the basics of rehabbing it fixing it up making sure that it's solid mm-hmm. and then i can double it next time and double it the time after that you know yeah so yeah,
1: yeah. and then maybe you do get to a point where you buy 10 in a year yeah you
0: know? or even more um, than that dude. <laughs> more than that yeah <laughs> start buying apartment buildings
1: yeah, so there's that. I think it's over 12 units you have to have an on-site manager so now you just bought yourself a job <laughs> there you go <laughs> you yeah. <laughs> congratulations <laughs> no I, I you know I, I would love to own more and more and more and more um, I think now I just think about it a little bit like do I want to deal with this do I want what's the upside versus the downside and what
0: are some of the downsides what um, have you seen pop up on your properties
1: like a lot of people like multifamily I don't love it I think the most headaches that I ever have is multifamily um because you got multiple families living on one parcel that are neighbors and it's your house
0: Dude, they kind of I had a fourplex and they kind of like intermingle and create like a little tribe against you like <laughs> I if they like, want something. I like,
1: was like uh my neighbor's smoking downstairs I'm like I don't freaking care. Call the cops, you yeah. know, uh-huh. like what, uh, stop blowing the smoke. Like oh, my, I, I your freaking parents, you know, I'm the landlord, <laughs> pay your rent and yeah. move on, you know? So, and, and you get a little bit better pride of ownership or, or with, with a single family. Like, uh, we I drove by one of my properties. I'm like, wow, guy really takes care of it. You know?
2: So hey. would you say the majority of your portfolio is single family? Yeah. Yeah,
1: I, I have a fourplex, a duplex, and a triplex, but everything else is all CFM.
0: And then you keep um, your cash working in private money for the most part and um, things of that nature.
1: I, I didn't or, used to, but mm-hmm. it there were so many people buying houses for flips that it got so competitive and stuff wasn't coming across my desk as much. So I started lending my money out mm. sometimes when there's <clears throat> nothing to buy. Well, because I'm sitting in the bank going, that's a lot of money. And I just made $30 for the month or something, mm-hmm. you know, it was like stupid. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. So I, I didn't know. Uh, um, so I know that you own single families and then I think you also do farming too, right? You own like, I, I do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nice. So it, was that, was that like, Hey, I'm at the pinnacle of, of all like the single family homes, the residential and I like, now I want to take it to another level and do the farming. Piece so of it, or?
1: before cost segregation, we had, uh, Um, well, Well, it's still around. So it's, uh, I think it's section 179, uh, depreciation. So, you know, when you buy like a, a new truck or SUV, you get, you could write off the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Well, the same thing works with, uh, walnut trees, grapes, almonds, any permanent crop, you can 179, the whole acquisition price up to, oh man, I think it's probably changed, but it used to be up to like 2.75 million. Oh, wow. Yeah. So... I stopped buying rentals for a little while and started buying farms because the tax benefits outweighed. Um, but then once cost segregation came into play and I could write off 30% roughly of the price of the rental, I'd much rather own rentals.
2: Okay. Yeah. But that, that was, but that already put that, added that to your portfolio and added more, yeah. more income. How do you feel about that? Like, how do you like, like, like owning the farmland and, and, and that, as far as I mean,
1: long term, I think it's good. I have like some solar deals I'm working on right now. Nice. And if those go through, it'll be pretty lucrative. I haven't the, the solar, yeah. So the farms, uh, there's companies out there that'll pay you to put solar panels on your property
2: mm. um, or
1: battery storage. So I'm working nice. on some of that right now. Who knows? It probably won't go anywhere, but if it does, they're paying me x amount per year per ranch just to do the infrastructure on the computers and deal with the counties if it gets approved then you know i think minimums like 2000 an acre up to 3000 an acre annually
0: and he may have asked this but how many acres do you have um
1: have? i think around 200
2: shit man nice and they're all walnuts walnuts and almonds walnuts yeah. and almonds that's what we, yeah. We were just talking about that. He mentioned. Uh,
1: yeah, it's it's not been uh, walnuts have been really bad in the last couple of years. The farming thing is can be pretty scary if you don't have a lot of cash flow because mm. we went from making like a dollar twenty five a pound to like forty cents or thirty cents. It's last kind of
0: year. kind of up and down. That market is a little bit. It didn't used to be,
1: but in the last recent years, it has. China has uh, produced a lot, and there was like some export tariffs and stuff that. That mm. happened, and and seventy five percent of walnuts are exported, so yeah. it's um, it was a good tax write off, but not the kind you're looking for. Right now, you or can just do I actually it. watch the money go out of my account. Yeah. <laughs> you know,
0: <laughs> yeah, now you can do cost segs on homes, so you don't. Need yeah,
1: much, so right? that's we yeah, that's we what you mentioned. You went we back to the those. homes, yeah. yeah, yeah. If I could sell all the ranches and just buy mm. more rentals, who knows? I probably will at some point, unless these solar things pan out because then I'll be getting paid to not use water on my property, but also getting paid from the solar your, your land's valuable for not using it basically. Mm -hmm. And then if it's, if it's farmed out to the solar companies, I don't do anything but wake up to a check, I guess.
0: Gotcha. That'd be nice. Um, sounds pretty good to me. (laughs) Yeah. So is there any last things you want to ask Ernesto? Uh, there's about. too many things i want to ask yeah. we have a couple minutes yeah we only got a few more we got about five more minutes here so ask away man no you go ahead I mean, i'm
2: mean, i just kind of going going enjoying the conversation learning a lot i it, mean go
0: ahead if you could give a, a brand new loan officer or even like a, a loan officer like me or ernesto that's building our business
1: yeah you guys are super brand new right yeah super brand new <laughs> what
0: would you uh what would you tell them to help them grow right now in this market my opinion is just keep sticking it out and keep doing the daily things because you're gonna get out of this market eventually and that's gonna be when you're gonna probably really see your growth I, I would
1: say that to you guys yeah I would say you guys are gonna do good there's other people that would be new that I would say maybe not for you right you know. Um, yeah, cause, it's it's going to be tough. Because yeah. how
0: long can you weather the storm is the real question, right? That's the truth. And that's what a lot of people are noticing now, and they're starting to get out in different industries. They're going into solar. They're Well, trying the to hard part
1: stuff. is you look at my story, and I was one of the ones that, I mean, I guess very successful from what I was in 2006, and I stuck through it. But I didn't know anything else. So... I think people see that and they stay in the industry longer, but maybe they shouldn't have been in the industry in the first place. You,
0: see, you mentioned this before, right? There, right. And I mentioned this before. There's people that have been doing this for so long and right. I look and I'm like, why are they not farther along? It, we, we had, more, we, like what did they do? Were they just lazy?
2: Were they not? No, well, they just don't
1: have the right personality uh, in my opinion. It's just, it's just the
2: growth, right? Like I think we were talking about it last time. Um, that it was like there's people that are that are 20 years in the business or however many years in the business, but it's like it's not 20 years, it's one year 20 times, right? There was never mm-hmm. any growth year over year. They're doing the mm-hmm. same things yeah. that didn't work, I like right? The way so you
0: said that. and they're so, not constantly growing or trying to, you know, improve. And I know you you've mentioned. Oh, I don't read books very often. The, the one that I thought was funny was the, the thing that we event that we did. You said I read James and the Giant Peach or something. Yeah, <laughs> but you, good book. Yeah, but you I don't getting, forced to read it in fourth grade <laughs> or whatever but you don't give yourself enough credit in the fact that you are constantly growing. I feel like, and you're on like, i the, all the conversations we've had, you're always thinking like, how can we make things better? How can we improve? You're always open to hearing other people's 100%. opinions on things, even if it's me who's way, you know, newer than you. So uh, I think that's a testament to always being growth minded and always wanting to like put yourself further forward.
1: As hard as it is to hear constructive criticism, it's the biggest blessing you could do for your business because you're going to go shit that sucked. But Mm -hmm. why? And I'm always going, I'm always asking the question, well, this happened. Well, why did that happen? And why is it ever going to happen again? And Mm -hmm. what can I change to make that better?
2: That's growth right there. And Mm -hmm. you're
1: always thinking about how do I make my system better? Because I mean, obviously I operate on a pretty high level, but like I'm, if people say, "Oh, you're really good," yeah, I'm still I'm learning every day. <laughs> Sometimes not the fun ways, but you know, right? Um, and you always got to have that mindset, you know. Yeah, um, you can. I think the difference in when you guys ask, "How am I gonna?" You guys are doing all the right things. It's just tough market today. The people that we talk about that make the same ten years ago as they do today, take out the the market shakes, is just because they're comfortable. And mm. I don't think I'll ever be comfortable. Unfortunately, I wish I could, mm. I'd be done. You know? yeah.
2: and, I, and I think that's interesting because you mentioned the whole thing about how you don't like to read books. And I think that, that what books are is they take a lot of people that think like you and they extract all that information and they write a book about it. Dude, that's And true. then we read it and then yeah. we say, okay, if they're doing that, if we pretty much do do what they did, then we can grow. And that's another form of doing it. But sometimes
1: people have it. Just I natural. mean, if, if you can implement those things, a hundred percent. But there's a lot of times I listen to podcasts, so it's yeah. kinda of like reading a book. Yeah, same. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I will straight like try to just email myself like I did it this morning mm. um, and try to come up with I used to be like, oh my God, I need to do a hundred things. So when I'd listen to one and now I'm like, oh, I like that idea. And I'll just try to lightly implement one thing here and there Mm -hmm. and make my system better. Um, that's growth. Yeah.
0: The book thing is huge because I remember, um, Wes Watson was like, you can read all the effing books you want, but that doesn't do shit for you. And I was like, I think it kind of does, but I think it depends on the person. Yeah, it does. But also what I mean is like, you have to actually take the action and that's what he's saying with it. Like you have to actually take the steps every day and that's your biggest teacher is taking the steps every day, messing up, you know, uh, making mistakes. But at the end of the day, if you're actually taking the actions forward and having that mindset that you're going to move forward, be better, improve, make your business better, you're going to grow, you know? So that's
1: all right. I'll, I'll admit I did read rich dad, poor dad and atomic habits. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. and James and the Giant Peach.
2: <laughs> there you go. But I, I think it's true, though. Podcasts are a, a form of modern books. That's why Audible exists. Yeah. You know, it literally, it's what books are today. So that that is still, you know, yeah. potato, potato, you know what I mean, to a certain degree. Yeah, books yeah. are a good tool, but they're nothing without taking the action. You know? Exactly. What is his knowledge? is power, but action you can know everything in the world and if you don't do anything then it doesn't matter you're just a really smart person you know what i mean it's like having
1: a bunch of bullets and no guns exactly
2: yeah
0: that's a good point so all right guys we're gonna wrap up jeremy thanks for coming on today bro i appreciate your insight your help dude and uh do you want to leave it with anything ernesto no there's just
2: a lot of interesting stuff i I know that we kind of squeezed it into a short amount of time and it was it was just i think it was just gold nuggets it yeah, was a lot of bombs in there, so some good stuff. I leave with keep growing your mortgage
0: business if you're a loan officer and invest your money right so that you can win long-term and not just be a one-hit wonder. And just your
2: business in general, keep yeah. going.
1: Yeah. yeah, and if you invest well, then hopefully you don't have to do loans your whole life. Yeah, that's the scary part, right? <laughs> Wait a second, what am I doing? Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. Wrapping it up.